Hi, folks. This is the uh, the uh, extra part of the podcast where we go back and correct our mistake. Uh, we're about to start a podcast where we interview uh, Tim Ty, and Paul is going to explain to you who Tim Ty is. Tim Ty is the young man made, well, not necessarily made famous, but brought into the national spotlight for his handling of a situation at the University of Missouri in Columbia, um, where he went up against some protesters defending his First Amendment rights to the free press. Um, you've probably seen a YouTube video or maybe on the news or seen him quoted or referenced in uh, a national media outlet in recent days. Um, but we were lucky enough to get him on the podcast to explain the situation there and uh, and some other stuff too. So you'll hear from Tim Ty in our conversation this, this podcast. And now, take two, we will start the podcast. <laughs> Testing one, two, three on my mic. Testing one, two, three on my mic. Testing one, two, three on my mic. I'm Todd Meisner. I'm Paul Coletti. And I'm Todd Wilbert. And we're talking pictures with a young man, a young journalist who has been described in a headline as the new hero of journalism, Mm -hmm. Tim Ty. Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Did you ever think when you walked into that quad that you were going to end up being as big a story as you were? Absolutely not. Um, you know, you, you see other people go viral for various reasons. Um, the You know, often uh, unflattering reasons. I don't know if you guys saw there was a girl at Texas State University who went viral for getting a DUI and then driving a uh, Barbie car to school. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, you know, you look at those situations and, and you think as a journalist, like, wow, it must suck heavily attention on, on you for that. And... Uh, so no, when I when I, you know, walked on my quad, I was thinking I was just you know just doing my job and, and trying to um, get some pictures of the story that was going on. And uh, by that night, it had completely shifted, and uh, you know it still feels kind of surreal. I'm still not really sure uh, how to judge the scope of where this has gone. We, uh, I, Tim, I'm curious as to how your day went, how um how you ended up being contacted by ESPN did you wake up did you know you were doing that um did they call you that morning uh can you take us through your day you know you you got up what time you went to the quad and you know what what your day was like leading up to that yeah so um well so I I met Tim Rasmussen who's the director director of photography at ESPN Digital uh Teddy Adams workshop uh this year uh actually like last month um and uh you know, he just, uh, he told me he just remembered that I was in, uh, Columbia and, um, you know, because of the football players striking. So they, he called me that morning, um, Monday morning, uh, around, um, 945 or so. And the original idea was they want to do a linear narrative following, uh, a player, uh, during the strike. And, um, you know, it, it, it's kind of hard to get access, uh, to players like that, uh, especially during such a high profile event. And so, um, I was walking around outside um, and uh, trying to figure out, you know, how to go about this. And um, I, I'm on Twitter, and all of a sudden, it's uh, Tim Wolf has resigned. And this is probably 20 or 30 minutes, uh, no more than 30 minutes after I got the first call uh, from ESPN. And so at this point, I um, had had the uh, foresight to, uh, you know, have my uh cameras on me uh at this time 
Um, and so, um, cause just cause I knew that this was, um, becoming a big event and I, I wanted to be ready in case anything, um, was happening. And so I just ran to, um, the quad where I knew students had been gathering for the past few days. Um, and I got there probably four or five minutes after the announcement hit Twitter. And so they were celebrating and dancing and crying and cheering. And, and so I got, um, some photos of the celebration news at that point, you know, I knew that was, um, what was going to help tell the story was it was those reaction pictures. Good, good, um, good stuff, by the way. Yeah, it was it was all good stuff. Thank you. Um, so that the celebration lasted maybe five or ten minutes, and, and uh, at one point, someone um, there said, "Okay, we're done. Like, um, media, please, you know, back off. Please um, leave this part of the quad, and or please get off the grass, or something, something to that effect." And, um, and I had seen they had had signs up the past few days because I had friends covering this, this story for, for the last week or two. And, um, and I had, I had never, never covered anything, um, directly related to this until Monday, uh, until I guess Sunday night, um, um, because I had just gone out for fun to, to stake out the, uh, President Tim Wolf's office, um, because there were rumors that he would resign on Sunday. Um, and uh, so, so I know that there were these signs on the quad that said, safe space, no media. And, um, you know, the entire time um, last week, I had been just kind of curious about how that, you know, worked out in, in the sense that, um, yeah, you know, they don't have to talk to anyone, but how, how can they just be like, you can't be on this, you know, 100 or 200 uh, mm-hmm. square foot section of, of what's supposed to be a public space for all students to gather on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, I, so, so right as, you know, they were like, okay, we're done celebrating, um, you know, media please leave. There were hundreds of students gathered, just crowded on a quad and nothing really happened for a second or two or a minute or two. And, and so I got some pictures of, um, you know, students just congregated there, kind of just staring in, in like bewilderment that I guess this happened and, and still some students still crying and some still hugging and all that. And, uh, then soon after, uh, students started licking arms and I realized what they were trying to do and, and some of them said was, you know, to keep the media out. Um, and so I actually was in the middle of that circle when it first formed and I don't remember if I was pushed out or if I or voluntarily walked out because there really wasn't much going on inside, mm-hmm. uh, that I could get a vantage point of. And then I realized that the circle, you know, was, part of what was happening and you know you have to get that in the picture and i want to get that with the tents um for two reasons one because this this encampment they had on the quad was um uh just kind of an interesting like site visually and, and part of the idea of the demonstration because they've been camping out for a week to protest uh, and then also because um in the 1980s um uh people had put tents and on on or, or i don't remember if it was tents or you know, temporary structures on the quad um, in what was known as the Shantytown protest um, to protest um, the university's involvement with South Africa during apartheid. Um, and so, and and at that point, um, those people had been arrested in the 80s for doing so. So there's this kind of historical context with the idea of camping out on a quad. Mm-hmm. So, and that's why I wanted to get pictures of that. And I realized that the people, you know, forming this circle around was also a powerful visual statement um, and a story, you know, a show of um, this like widespread support. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, so I, I was, uh, I got out of the circle, um, and I was standing right next to it and they started 
um, moving forward. They started they linked arms and started moving forward, and that's when the, the confrontation began. And, and if you, I watched the, the I watched Mark's video, the the full version he posted this this afternoon, and I think I can speak for my my coworkers here and probably every other photojournalist worth their weight in salt um, that. Watching it makes my blood boil, and I actually can feel a physical change mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. myself while I, w- I watch it. Mm-hmm. And I actually, the first time I watched the shortened version, the, the one that went viral, I ended up having to stop it and, like, take a deep breath and, like, come back to it because it was making me crazy. Um, but you, you, I think we could all say you handled yourself. Oh, man. Exceptionally. Exceptionally yeah. well. What, what a credit to the breed, my friend. You, yeah. uh, yeah. you, you really did, uh, the whole profession proud. Um, yeah, when, my issue is when, when they started putting hands on you, um, and, right. putting, and touching your gear, man, you had, you had such restraint and uh, a lot more, you know, so I've been doing this for a little bit and, uh, a lot more than I would have, um, really, really, really great job. How did you control yourself and and your emotions in that moment? Thank you. Um, Well, you know, it's I you know I had no problem with them standing there and trying to keep us out. And I knew, you know, as a journalist, you have to do what's legally defensible. You can't physically push people aside Mm -hmm. to go through. Sure. um, You know, um, and and um, that you know that was fine. And and I've covered you know kind of somewhat similar situations in the past. And I would have had no problem had they. you know, just stood there with their hands up in front of them trying to block my view. Um, and, uh, you know, it, as a journalist, that becomes part of the scene, and, and you, you make that clear in the caption that they're trying to keep out the media, but you just document that as, as part of the scene anyway. But, yeah, I think you're right. The, 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 the problem was that they insisted on continually trying to push forward as a line and, um, you know, physically trying to, to push, push me back. And that was the most frustrating part. And, um, you know, obviously it was it was kind of a losing battle just because there were so many of them, and I knew that there were you know wasn't really anything I could do, um, and so I I did eventually you know move on to just another part of the circle and and trying to find higher vantage points and all that, um, but um, just in the moment I I don't know I, I I personally don't really think I did anything unique and um, I've seen plenty of other photojournalists both there that day and and, and other. Uh, at other situations I've covered, you know, act the same way or even even more calmly than I did. And um, I, I don't know. I think just uh, how did I handle it? I just uh, kind of knew that, um, you know, I, I, I was focused on trying to do my job and I wasn't going to let, um, you know, a frustrating situation kind of, um, I guess, anger me from being able to do it. Did you, did, um, in the video... No, did you know Mark was? I guess the the first part of the question is, did you know Mark was to your right? Um, yeah, I, I did notice him at one point. I don't think you, I didn't notice him right away, but I, I noticed him um, while uh, talking to the the protest supporters out there. I you know I I didn't know him. I don't I don't know him personally. Um, I I have no I had no idea what his intentions were. If he had an agenda, if he was one of the, I I thought. At, the beginning that he was one of the protest supporters as well i think um, they thought he was too because it, mm-hmm. he the way he ended up kind of they kind of what you get washed away yeah. and then he's left standing inside the circle mm-hmm. and right, so right. um 
It was inter- it was interesting that because I didn't know if you had shown up. I mean, now we know you didn't show up together. You were in no way entangled with him. He just happened. You can and you can watch him kind of go around and looking for the edges for something to photograph, and then he ends up on you. Was he using? Did you notice if he was using an iPhone or was he using a professional looking camera? I think he was looking. He was holding some kind of like point and shoot style camera, but I can't be sure. Okay, because I think that one of the reasons why you're clearly being focused on by the protesters because you look like a professional because you are a professional, mm-hmm. and so right, you, right. you were clearly labeled as as by them as media and as a threat. And I think that he might have, you know, kind of been walking, blended, kind of blended in. Was, I think he blended in. That was some of the things that, or one of the things that struck me is how many of the the people, uh, the protesters, were videotaping you. And somehow, you know, and I assume a lot of that video ended up on Twitter or their their personal feeds or Facebook or whatever. And it, so, it, I mean, it was kind of weird that, you know, here's a legitimate professional trying to do his job and record the situation. And that's not OK. But there's protesters there <laughs> recording this, you know, yeah. the well, situation. Well, that leads, and that was OK. Well, I that mean, it was leads just, me to my next question is the fact that when you were standing there looking at the faces in front of you, did you see any of your classmates? Did you see any other journalism students staring back at you? Because I don't know how you go to class with them the next day if you're looking at people who were clearly going against everything we're taught in journalism school and as a journalist, as a working professional, that they're basically, you know, on the other side. So did you, um, were yeah, any of those I, kids students? I, 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 I recognize who some of them were, but I, I don't believe, I didn't recognize anyone from the journalism school, and uh, I don't think I knew any of them personally, except uh, the, the professor at the beginning of the video that went viral, the guy with the glasses who was talking to me, he actually, I actually took a class with him two years ago, um, but I don't, he didn't remember who I was uh, when he talked at the phone later uh, to apologize, um, but um is he yeah, the guy I, that says I, I, it's not his problem? Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, oh, that guy. That I almost went through my computer screen because it, I, I, it almost to me, and and this is how I interpreted what I was looking at was, you're standing there as a student, you've got students in front of you, and here you have a professor or an associate professor, or a teacher of some sort, the adult in the room, okay, and you look to him like, hey. Let's, you know, you need to defuse the situation. You're on the other side. Let's, could you step in and defuse the situation? And he throws up his hands and walks away. And I, I thought that was extremely frustrating. Yeah. I mean, and actually at that point, I had no idea that these, the adults, the, I guess the, 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 the real adults or so to speak were professors or staff. Um, I knew they weren't students, but I really had no idea. Or I guess they could have been graduate students. I, I really had no idea who they were mm-hmm. until... Uh, and I didn't even watch the video until um, like eight o'clock that night. Uh, I saw I was filing pictures, and I saw that it got posted on Facebook. And my first reaction was I was like horrified. I, I thought, you know, this is so embarrassing. Like, these <laughs> people will never hire me again. Like, I, I like just was shouting at these people too much. And uh, but then I was like, you know what? I can't like think about this right now. And I have to keep covering stuff because there's stuff going on all day. And um, it wasn't until like later that afternoon and evening when I started getting all these notifications that I realized that. People were, I guess, um, supporting me more so, and, and I, I didn't even realize. I, I didn't know the. I didn't know that she had yelled uh, for muscle to the, to the guy recording the video until 
um, I saw about it on Facebook and Twitter that evening, um, and you know, and, and I had no idea um, really who any of the people in the video were until we were identifying them on social media. Because after I left that that scene, you know, it's just as a journalist, you kind of move on and and um, and you you don't really think twice about it because it's just you you work in the situations a lot and and that's what happens and you you just focus again on doing your job. Um, and so I yeah I didn't think twice about it until it kind of all blew up. What was ESPN's reaction to you? You've been lauded all over the place by the MPPA, and I I think it was Esquire magazine. I forget. The dean of your journalism school. And a couple other national publications, yeah, you know, have have come, you know, and and said what a great job you did. And like I said, you've been lauded uh, nationally for your your conduct. But I'm curious to know what ESPN said to you. Did they reach Uh, out to you and say what? Well, uh, so I I started getting, like, some calls or requests from people to interview me Monday night, and so I texted um, my Tim uh, Atkinson, the director of photography, and uh, I was like, "Hey, like, don't know if you saw this video, but uh, someone recorded like me this morning." And and I had told him earlier that uh, the the protest supporters had been antagonistic to the media, and so I was I wasn't able to get many like close shots of of the original protesters and stuff, and, and he hadn't really said anything. Uh, back about that but so um i was like hey like you know i don't know if you saw this but like this happened and like i don't know if ESPN has like a policy about me like commenting about it but i just wanted like checking with you and he was like yeah like feel free to comment um and and i was like is there anything i, I should say about ESPN he's like just say like you were a freelancer for us and that we support you and then um nice. so that was that was that and then he called again later um uh, and then and actually called several times over the, over the next couple of days and he was like yeah, like we, you know, this was passed through like the all the levels of management, like up to our CEO, and like they were like super complimentary, and like we thought you handled it great, and like we would have been, you know, behind you no matter what happened. Um, and he said, um, you know, someone someone from inside had asked should we issue a statement, and and someone else had decided that you know let's not let's just let him handle it, and and so. Um, that was really great to hear that they they would have just supported me no matter what. But you know, mm-hmm. they've been absolutely very supportive, and I think um, you know I, I I I couldn't have asked to work with better people. Nice. No, it it yeah I I I, I kudos to ESPN for playing that one correctly. Yeah, yeah indeed. You know, mm-hmm. um, do you think that here I've got my list of notes here and clipping through. Oh, well, so you started at how many Twitter followers, and you're almost at ten thousand now. Uh, Sunday night, I um, had well. Sunday morning, I had uh, two hundred something, and uh, <laughs> Sunday night, I tweeted out a couple pictures of um, Tim Wolf uh, leaving his his office uh, that night. And then I I remember going to bed because I got a notification from Twitter saying, "Congrats, you have three hundred followers." And it's uh, I'm not really sure what the count is now, but it's, it's, it's nearly ten thousand. I checked it before I walked up here. <laughs> I well, checked it just before I came in the room. <laughs> You're yeah, nine thousand something or other. Wow. We're photojournalists. We're not good at math, Tim. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you, that's why you went into journalism because adding and subtraction and long division isn't not, our strong suit. Thing, no. um, so I, you know, the a thing I was surprised to find on the internet today when I was doing some research on this was a gentleman named Terrell Germain Starr and his right. essay or article or blog post about how he blames you for the escalation. How do you, I mean, I know you said you don't take this stuff personally, but how do you feel about 
somebody blaming you for the escalation? Uh, well, actually, I, I talked with him on the phone the other day just because I was interested in, in his, um, I guess, column or whatever it was. Um, and, you know, I think he makes some good points about, like, you know, there there are times when, um, I guess, you know, journalists kind of get in, involved in these things and you kind of have to decide whether it's worth it, you know? And um, I, I can definitely say, okay, if I had to do this over again, I probably wouldn't have engaged just because, you know, the, the end goal, the end goal, yeah, the, I, I didn't gain anything from it. I knew I wasn't going to gain anything from it image-wise just because they were just so immediate and, and uh, insistent on trying to block my shot. Um, but, um, you know, and, and so I understand that, um, you know, you could, you could, I guess, argue that uh, in a way I didn't defuse the situation. I could have just walked away. Uh, but at the same time, um, there's, you know, there's just something about that, that situation where I felt like no one else was, was, you know, taking a stand toward this. And, um, I knew that I had to do my job and I, I couldn't just, you know, you, you, I don't know if you know Tim Atchison personally, but you don't, you don't go back to Tim Atchison and say, and say, sorry, I didn't get any pictures. You well, know, that's, yeah, yeah. That, if you'd done that to me, I wouldn't have been happy. <laughs> so no, I, I no, and, exactly. And so there was just a point where I was like, you know, someone has to at least try and, and, you know, try to, and, and, and I've had to deal with these situations before, and sometimes you start off by um, ignoring it, or sometimes you start, start off by trying to explain yourself and explain your, your purpose, and, uh, and, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, and so um, that's what I started off as trying to do, and, and there's a point where I was just like, you know what, um, nothing is really going on that I, like, it requires my immediate attention to photograph right now, and I'm just kind of curious, you know, what's going to happen, you know, I, I need to make a picture, and I'm just kind of curious what, what's going to happen if I try to stand here and make make the picture I need to make. And so um, I guess that's just what kind of led to the encounter, in a sense. Do you think that the, student, the fact that it was a, essentially a student-on-student student, um, bottleneck influenced your decision or, do you, or their decision? Do you think that they would have gone, like Todd sitting next to me, and Todd is... Is six four two eighty two eighty? He's a big dude, and then you add camera gear to him in his think tank bag. He's a man mountain. So, <laughs> do you think that they're they're they were emboldened to touch and push you because you, because you were a student, or did, were they just going to push and shove anybody? You know, I don't. I don't know if they knew I was a student. Um, I guess I kind of looked like a student, but I don't know that they really knew that. Um, I didn't because I was a freelancer. I didn't have like an ID or anything identifying me with ESPN. Um, so I, I don't really know. I, I know other student journalists were also physically pushed back. Uh, one of my friends uh, had a backpack thrown in his face, and uh, there's another guy uh, who was like threatened with having his ear smashed and he didn't have like a lens that like damaged or something and so I definitely was not the only one treated this way and even uh, later in the day you know there were professional uh, artist staff photographers from AP Post Dispatch Kansas City Star uh, Stranger from New York Times and, and a lot of other um, you know photographers who uh, were blocked the same way physically blocked from trying to get um, shot so I don't I don't know that that, that me being a student necessarily uh, either made it worse or, or better for me. Mm. Did you, did you um, now you accepted the apology of 
was it Jana Bassler and, yeah. and uh, Professor Click, who is now the poster woman for everything that's wrong with academic <laughs> teachings in, in higher learning. But um, you've accepted her uh, apology, but uh, Mark did not. How do you, why did you accept her apology? And I guess you can't speak to why he didn't. He's explained it in various many, but why did you feel the need to accept her apology? Um, well, for, and I don't want to, I don't want to speak on behalf of Mark, but uh, it's, and it's my impression that Mark is trying to make more of a point out of this, a more like a libertarian or civil liberties kind of point about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I don't know if, if, um, uh, I, I don't know if that's like necessarily an agenda he, he had to begin with or, or what, but, um, I don't want to make this into an agenda, I guess, except possibly about journalism. Um, I actually have had uh, a large uh, amount of interview requests from uh, right-wing media sources, and, and I, I think, you know, it was pretty clear they would just make me into an agenda as well. Um, and um, so, you know, I, I, I accepted these one. I was trying to shift uh, some of the attention away from me uh, just because, one, as a journalist, you know, you, you, journalists don't like this kind of attention to begin with. Um I have never been like a publicity person. I've always been kind of like a quiet private person. Um, and, uh, and so, um, I've been trying to, uh, you know, and I, I genuinely do feel conciliatory, uh, toward these people because I didn't take it personally to begin with. And, uh, I don't think that holding a grudge is, is going to make things better or for anyone. And I just want it to blow, have it blow over. And I've been letting, you know, the NTBA, um, Student Press Law Center, SCJ, and, and a bunch of AJA, a bunch of other organizations have spoken up, um, you know, m- in much stronger terms uh, again about this issue. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm, have no problem letting them, you know, take that kind of uh, stance because that that is their job as organizations. But personally, I just was trying to, I guess, uh, help things uh, wrap themselves up a little faster, uh, just because I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the limelight to be off me at this point. You know, one of the things that I, in rewatching it, that I was impressed with, and I think that the the photographers, especially young photographers who know their surroundings and their subjects and do the research before they go into a situation, it could be something super simple, or it's just knowing who the candidate is in front of you, like Mm -hmm. which one's Marco Rubio? You know, you got to know who the congressman is or even the city council person you're going to go photograph. And so when you, in in that context, you, when you asked Jana Bassler if she was with the Office of Greek Life, I thought, good move. Mm-hmm. You know, because we're, we're, we're watching this as a narrative, like how is this going to, this is how it begins, and this is the middle, and this is the end, and what's the conclusion? And it was this, you know, it was a mini little, you know, slight. It, it, what's interesting is that people, even people who don't do what we do for a living, when I reposted it on Facebook, people who are contractors or secretaries or doctors or anything, just pick your 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 walk of life who are friends of mine were as enraged as mm-hmm. my photographer journalist friends were. Um, so the, 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 the I equate your asking her who she was like asking a cop who's on the verge of being abusive what his badge number is. Mm-hmm. Right. Can I get your badge number? Can I get, could you please right. give me your badge number? I thought, man, this, you're 20 years old. 
or are you 21? I'm 20 right you're now. Tw- you're 20, hmm. and you hmm. were smart enough to think of that. I, I don't know if that's inherent or they're just teaching you, teaching kids really well at Missouri, but yeah. I think you can teach – you can tell a lot of really smart people how to do stuff and they yeah. still don't do it. And you, you, what you were doing was pure instinct. And that's where I, where I would like to compliment you. And I know the guys yeah. would like to compliment you is that your instincts were good yeah. mm-hmm. and true. Yeah. And, and it's, you're, you are, you are the, you know, I mean, you're the, you don't, I don't think it's the poster boy for the first amendment. Yeah. That's part of it. But you're the you, you are a great example for for everyone who carries a camera in a news business mm-hmm. on how to deal with with conflict but I, I mean you you say you would do some things differently I'm not sure I don't know enough guys that have been in this business long enough that might have hauled off and slugged somebody. <laughs> no, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I know some salty dogs in this business have been around here a long time and they're like, you know, that, that kid touches me. You know, yeah. I mean, they say that, but, yeah. you know, but I, I, I think you should be, I know you're proud of yourself. You should be very proud of you yeah. and of yourself and, and, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I was kind of curious is because uh, all of us went on your website and uh, looked at your portfolio. Um, I'm kind of curious as to I don't know if you've done any kind of Google Analytics to see how many hits uh, <laughs> your portfolio has taken, <laughs> but uh, you got a lot of nice stuff there too. Yep. Uh, we were all talking about it here before the uh, before we gave you a call. But how did covering Ferguson help you mentally for this? Did that did that play into that? Did that background? Yeah, well, well, first, thank you for the kind words. Uh, and that kind of goes back to your point about uh, when I asked about her about the Greek life. She was wearing a vest that said uh, Greek life on it. And, um, you know, having been to Ferguson, uh, and, and in that case, you know, I think there was definitely more outrage because the people trying to block the media from doing their job and infringing on their rights um, – was in that case a law enforcement and and those are people who absolutely need to be held accountable as public officials um you know and 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 so um in that case you know absolutely uh and they in ferguson they were there were officers who didn't wear badge badge numbers or who didn't wear their little uh name name things on their uniforms and that became a big problem and and um i think the justice department issued some kind of statement there strongly recommending all officers you know maintain uh or keep keep those those things on on uh, for accountability's sake, um, and then eventually there was a judge who order, who issued some orders saying you know you police may not interfere with the media in, in these regards or, or whatnot. Um, but yeah, and, and you know I have to say um, covering the events this week um, certainly far less stressful than, than covering Ferguson because I, I was never I never felt you know that I was. Are going to be harmed. I never felt scared. It was it was just frustration. Whereas in Ferguson, there was definitely a constant fear that you could be arrested, or you could be tear gassed, you could be pepper sprayed. You know, they could, um, you know, they could arrest you with force or, or something. And so, um, in that sense, this this felt you know uh, uh, like nothing in comparison. How long were you in uh, in Ferguson during the the, the uprising? Um, I probably covered um, for about the two weeks in August. I, I started the day after Michael Brown was shot because I, I'm from St. Louis originally and I was in town. It was kind of the period between uh, the internship I had ended and before school started. So I was just in town uh, at home and, and I saw that happen uh, on a Saturday and I, 
uh, it was kind of blowing up on Twitter. Um, and I thought, you know, it's kind of an interesting situation, but I, there was a lot of, uh, he said, she said. So I was like, you know, I might go, go out there and just see what's going to happen because they were, had a vigil planned on, uh, that Sunday. So I, I went out that Sunday and I, it, it, that was the night, the, the first round of, um, I guess looting and, uh, uh, occurred and and that's the night that David Carson, the post dispatch, was assaulted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, and then I, at that point I realized, wow, this, this is gonna, this is a national story. You know, I need to I need to stay out there and and cover this. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, the one thing left on my sheet of paper is when did you decide to cut bait? Mm-hmm. In 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 um, I mean, did it because with the, we lose you in the video because Mark goes into the circle and then it becomes, the video becomes about Mark and not about you. Um, when did yeah. you decide to cut bait? You know, um, I don't remember, you know, maybe, because the problem was when I, when I moved to different parts of the circle, they were still hounding me and there were still people who would move around within the circle to get, to tell people to, to, to you know, block me and push me back. Um, so I really don't remember. I mean, it might have been, I, I think, it, like less than 10 minutes, um, before I just kind of, uh, saw, there, there were some other, like, higher places to stand on, the benches and, and, uh, a fountain and some other places to stand on that I just I moved back there and used a longer lens and, and try to get, um, you know, pictures from that vantage point. So, um, yeah, I don't really remember exactly how long it was, but I, I think it was, you know, definitely, uh, under 10 minutes. Uh, of me, you know, being next to the circle at that point mm-hmm. overall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Tim, I was kind of curious, um, in this job, you always try to kind of be empathetic and, and figure out what, uh, you know, what the other person's thinking or, or what they're feeling or going through. Do you understand, and maybe you can enlighten me, what did they feel like they were protecting? Um, so... Yeah, I don't want to speak for them, but my understanding is, and and so this is, I think, twofold. So the first thing is, I think at that moment, they were trying to uh, protect the media from invading, I guess, a private emotional moment of these people who are reacting to, I guess, a very personal victory for them. Um, uh, And so in that sense, you know, I understand wanting to, Keep people away. I, and, and again, I would have no problem with them if they just stood there and put their hands up. Um, I think the problem arises when you have people uh, physically shoving other people back. And then I think there has to be, you know, at some point it becomes unreasonable to be, you know, X feet or X, you know, X distance far back. Uh, I don't know if you saw the New York Times and AP and, and a lot of people had uh, or, or dispatchers, some people ran uh, an overhead shot of how mm-hmm. far that circle will reach. And in the end, it was, you know, maybe about 100 feet or, or so. And, you know, to me, that's utterly unreasonable. You know, yeah. that goes beyond the idea of mm-hmm. privacy and safety and into just, you know, purely making a, an antagonistic point against the media. Um, and, and the other the other thing, you know, I think is um, these people felt that the mainstream media, traditional media, had um, done a poor job of accurately covering you know, minority communities, which I think is a valid point in a lot of cases, because there there is a history of distrust, and I think there is a history of, you know, uh, less than stellar coverage, less than accurate coverage. Um, and so the idea, I guess, was that by using social media, you know, the, which has kind of upended the, the media's role as these gatekeepers uh, um, and, and this traditional role of the media, uh, they can control the narrative by limiting information and dictating it themselves. 
that's going to control their narrative. But I think the the flaw was that when it becomes national news, um, you know, and people are going to cover it regardless, um, the only way to ensure more accurate journalism is, I think, to increase access. Because if you're going to limit access and people are going to cover it no matter what, then there's supposed to be more, you know, mistakes that happen. It's just going to be uh, shallow coverage. And, and, yeah, and you know, increasing access requires trust. And I don't know that um, every organization there has that trust. Um, and so, you know, and, and I certainly don't think that, at least personally, I was never trying to get, you know, into the encampment itself. I was never trying to get right next to the people who, you know, were, were celebrating this very private victory at that point after they had their, their more public celebration. And, and But, uh, you know, I, I think I, sh- I still should have been able to be, you know, in the vicinity without being physically pushed back and, and trying to, to, to do my job. I thought it was interesting. At one point, there a large gentleman, a larger gentleman, uh, looks like he's about to touch you, and then a smaller gentleman says, "Don't, don't touch him. It will. Ch- they'll change the narrative." And I think that I think that speaks to what you were just saying. Yep. That it was. It's interesting, and because you're watching this, I mean, it was weird because I've been in situations like like that where people are trying to control me. Um, I've been in, I've covered protests on college campuses, you know, um, and the interesting thing was that there was no such thing as a safe space in 1988. In 1988 on the college, on University of Iowa campus, they're protesting the CIA or Reagan or whoever. And, um, and, uh, you would have, they would welcome the media to, to, to help tell their story. I mean, this was before social media. So that speaks again to what Tim was talking about. But the, the idea of a safe space where they where the you know, like they would keep the media out, I, I think that's it's interesting. I, I the idea that they would be in a public space, but yet well, you can't come talk to us. Yeah. It doesn't like then why well, are you in a public space? Yeah. I mean, you have an opportunity to celebrate this in, in, in privacy. In private, you know, not not in a public quad. But. Yeah, I, it it was a, it's strange. It's a it's a new word. It's gonna you know a safe. Place. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what going forward how this uh, how this how this influences the the discussion. Well, this is going to influence the, um, college protests at every sure. school, you know, in the United States or elsewhere. I mean, mm-hmm. we can only speak to the United States because we're we're talking about our constitution and our laws. But the idea that um, that uh, that college campuses and now administrators are probably like, okay, mm-hmm. we're on notice that we have to deal with this situation and that if we're going to have protesters in the Pentecrest of the University of Iowa, we're going to have to say, okay, folks, you you know, if you want to save space, you're going to need to maybe be someplace else. Otherwise, you're basically open, mm-hmm. you know, you're, op- you're open to be covered. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I it's it's an interesting it's a it's an interesting um, a, a topic, but I think that we had the right guy at yeah. the point of the sword. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, I do, so I really do, yeah. I really really do. I cannot say enough nice things about you. And every time I, um, I would that's why I was so surprised to find that article criticizing him because I didn't. You know, I'm like, well, everybody loves Tim. Yeah. And it's like, what? <laughs> Who's this guy? Yeah. You know, and he does. Tim's right. He makes some valid points, but you know. Um, I don't know. I mean, we're co- he's a journalist coming at it from a completely different perspective than I think the actual working journalist who's there to do a job, which Tim was there to right. do. Tim mm-hmm. had no agenda other than 
He got a job. ESPN hired him to shoot X amount of pictures. Yeah. He went to go shoot these pictures. And then he made a conscious or unconscious decision to be the everyman, the every photographer, and mm-hmm. stand his ground. Yeah. And and I think he did a great job. Yeah. And, and way to go with, uh, you know, as the narrative was changing that day, uh, way to stay with it and, uh, you know, enterprise your own storyline that, uh, that you're, that you're working on too, man. That's, uh, yeah. that's some high level thinking there. Indeed. Yeah. Now we've done the serious stuff. <laughs> yep. Now we all, the, the, the four of us all know Leah, former intern for the dispatch in yep. Rock Island, Arcus. Mm-hmm. The quiz of the day is, can you pronounce her last name? Oh dear! Uh, <laughs> You're in good Leah company, Tim. I don't know that we can either. Yeah. <laughs> is it, it Klapshinsky? We'll go with that. Well, yeah. Like okay. That. Well, I think you're right. yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Sure, it is. Yeah. Let's. Whatever you want it to be, Tim. We're good to go. <laughs> yeah. Man. Totally. She was here for like four months, yeah. and we just referred to her as Leah. Yeah, Leah, Leah. K. And, uh, Leah K. And another aside, Tim. I'm I'm also from St. Louis. I'm wondering where you're from. Uh. Uncorporated West County, kind of near Creek Four, Maryland Heights area. Okay, where'd you go to high school? Parkway North. Parkway North. Okay, that's where my brother-in-law went. But all right, I went. Okay. To, where, did, where did you go, Paul? I went to CBC. I grew up in U City. This uh, okay. is all like Greek to Todd and yeah. I. But yep. hey, so, I've got a daughter down at SIUE in Edwardsville. I was going to say maybe I'll slip a number to you or something like that. Yeah. So if you're looking for a home cooked meal, Simply, don't yeah. go there. Don't go there. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, well, good to know. So what's your day like today? I mean, what's it's like as life gets back to normal? What do you What are you up to? Uh, well, I am trying to finish a paper that's due in a couple hours. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're wasting morning. your time with us? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Feeling bad. Um, no, I, 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 I won't have a problem finishing it, but I just didn't start uh, until this morning because of <laughs> everything that's been going on. Um, and then I need to, I guess, I went through all my emails yesterday. I haven't gone through all my Facebook messages yet. Um, I have to cover a volleyball game tonight and covering a football game tomorrow. So, um, I think, you know, that's. He's just living the dream, isn't he? Yeah. He's living the dream. He's got no sleep. He's high on caffeine. He's probably eating junk food. Right, you know, all along the line. Oh, you're already in the club, Tim. And not only are you our spokesman for the First Amendment, but you just in you're in deep, dude. Living it already. So you got any line on it? I mean, I I think there every young journalist is probably right underneath right underneath the surface it's like oh man that guy's gonna get a job right after school <laughs> totally totally yep you know they're like yep. oh man yep. <laughs> why couldn't i have been in that youtube video right you know yep. you know you know what i would say is one don't have don't ever wish to go viral uh, i it, it, no, it's, uh, it's it's not worth it that's why i <laughs> never pick my nose that's why I never ever when I walk into the into the gas station to pay I don't I don't look at my phone because if I trip on a security camera I do not want to be that guy. Yeah, Buzzfeed's you know? most hysterical security yeah, footage yeah. trip ups of the day. Yeah, we always yeah. talk about not wanting to be that guy in, yeah. the, in when you cover a high school football game, you know, getting tripped up and then yeah. ended up on some cheerleader's YouTube video. Yeah, you know, I don't want to be yeah. that guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Anyway. So anyway, you right. don't want to go viral. Right. Well, and, and dealing, you know, with the aftermath has been infinitely more stressful than, than dealing with the actual protests. Wow. Um, but, um, uh, it, um, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is, and, and I haven't really thought too far about the job thing. I'm just 
trying to finish school right now because um, I graduate in May. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, I, I'm kind of one of those guys who, uh, I just, you know, go, goes with the flow. So whatever happens, happens, and, and you can't really think too much about the what ifs and, and I wish I did this or I wish I did that. And so, you know, you just got to deal with uh, whatever is in front of you. So, uh, but hopefully things get get back to normal. Things have already calmed down uh, for the most part today. So good, yeah, good, good. Well, uh, we here, friends of Leah. That's our. Mm-hmm. We're going to change the name of the podcast yeah. to Friends of Leah. Right? <laughs> anyway, good. sounds like uh, an indie band. <laughs> <laughs> we are too ugly to be a, a boy band. I know. No All right. Maybe Coletti Leah. could be the lead singer, <laughs> and we'd be the like the bad backup singers. Blues like, traveler. Yeah, yeah, we'd be. Well, yeah. yeah. Okay, Mister Popper. <laughs> Um, but anyway, <laughs> anyway. Tim's going who? Two? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Blues what? We got to remember we're talking to a twenty-year-old guy yeah, here, so making '90s music references probably, probably not, not a good <laughs> idea. Well, hey, yeah, Tim. Uh, again, man, you real credit. Um, can't say enough about you. You're really impressed. Every every professional journalist, every professional working journalist I know has has had the same reaction to you, and uh, just man, just pleased as punch that. Uh, Looks like the the younger kids of uh, you know got stepping up to the plate. Yeah, well, and sure. I think that he's going to end up. This video is going to end up in every journalism class. Oh, I bet. I mean, I, I think that <laughs> that you're going to end up. I think that the the later fallout from this, and I would not be surprised if you're not invited to speak a lot of places, and if you're as good doing your speaking in the future as you were on this podcast, mm, you've got sure. a very bright future ahead of you, young man. Yeah. Indeed. Thanks for Thank taking. Thanks for really old man. I was gonna say, yeah. I totally yeah. sounded Thanks, like an old man. Yeah. God, I hate <laughs> I that. All right, hey dude, oh, that sounds even worse. worse. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Tim. Thanks very much. Go write your paper. Thank right. you so much for having me on. Hey, thanks, man. No problem. All right, bye-bye. bye bye. Bye bye. See you. Cool kid. That, wow, he was really awesome. Our, I'm I'm even more impressed now. Yeah, I am. I we're am. still yeah, live, by I the agree. way. Oh, are we? Yeah, we're, we're oh, still. Okay, I'm gonna Paul's keep like all like Paul's like. Oh, no. You see the dust smoke Road behind runner. me? Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, Roadrunner. <laughs> um, no, uh, I think. I mean, we told him we were impressed. I guess we could end yeah. the podcast there. But I, I seriously, I, I, Leah said he was great. Um, I saw him in the video handle himself very well. Yeah. Um, he didn't I, just have one shining moment. He's no, really he's a good he's, he's a, a really good professional. Kid. And yeah. I can he might be a student, that, but he's really see, professional. And I can yeah. see why the ESPN yeah. photo editor remembered him. You bet. Oh sure. From from a flying short course or whatever Eddie Adams workshop or yeah. whatever it was that that he's like oh because in yep. in, in the, when you're a photo editor or you're a guy who's in charge of hiring people when you run into people mm-hmm. who catch your attention. You put him in the memory bank, yeah. and he yeah. is clearly a young man with a bright future. Um, and um, anyway, yeah, clear yeah. head, yeah, clear absolutely. Head. All right, and and I think this would go to a lot of people's heads. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's right. the, the, the one thing I forgot to mention. I think a lot of this would go to someone's mm-hmm. head. In the in the sense that you know, I mean, you know, twenty somethings, you have twenty somethings that, yeah. that are your children, and they will post about the mm-hmm. the, the drinking a diet coke, and yeah. it will and it will be it's like, oh my god, I got thirty likes, I got yeah. you know, and so that if you're if you're someone who's really into your social media in the sense that you're getting validation from 
being clicked on or retweeted or whatever, then this is, could go quickly to your head and you could yep. become a jerk very sure. quickly. Yep. And clearly he's more interested in the job and the yep. image and getting his job done and writing his paper and going covering his volleyball in a football game. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and God bless him. I think that that's, yep. you know, we need more people like that, yeah. especially we need more 20 year olds like that. Yeah. 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 No, it's uh, I can only echo what you say there. And, and his, his idea, his conscious idea, not to be someone's agenda, not to, sure. not to fuel, Smart. you yeah. know, someone's political fight yep. is, uh, you know, man, gosh, it, it, we need more guys like that. Don't we? Yep. That's right. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Well, I'm Todd Meisner. I'm Paul Coletti and I'm Todd Wilbert. And we were talking pictures with the new hero of Tim Ty, Tim, Tim Ty, Tim journalism. Ty. All right. Thanks very much, folks. We'll talk to you later. Bye. The Talking Pictures Podcast is a production of The Dispatch, The Rock Island Argus, and QCOnline.com. To see some of the photos and videos discussed in our podcast, be sure to go to talkingpicturespodcast.blogspot.com. Talking Pictures is produced by Todd Meisner, Paul Coletti, and Todd Walvert. Thanks to Laura Anderson Shaw, Meg McLaughlin, Laura Frames, and Randy Fisk. The music was provided by Kevin McLeod at www.incomputech.com. Make sure you subscribe to Talking Pictures on iTunes or SoundCloud.